Welcome to Passion Life Church. Well, good morning and welcome to a series that we've simply entitled Think. Would you just turn to your neighbor real quick and just say, today you're going to have to think. You're going to have to think today. This is part six of this amazing this amazing series that we have just been talking about your mind. You know what's interesting is you come to church a lot. We talk a lot about your spirit and that's important, but you don't hear a lot of series or a lot of talk about your mind, but you know, the Bible has a lot to say about your mind. And so today we're going to talk about dealing with distractions. How many of you know that you cannot live a focused life with a distracted mind? And I'm going to tell you that God has such a purpose for your life. He has such a destiny for your life that if you'll focus on it, there's such a fulfillment that comes from knowing why that you are created. And if you have your Bibles or your smartphones or your iPads, whatever you look at the Bible on this morning, turn over to Mark chapter 5. We're going to be in Mark chapter 5 all day today, do a little bit of verse by verse and talk about dealing with distractions. You know, I didn't realize how distracted I would be with all the information. I thought, well, I want to talk about distraction and I'm going to look at some verses. And then I started thinking about all these people in the Bible who were distracted, all these people in the Bible who were focused. I thought about Noah who was focused for 100 years on building the ark. Come on, you know, he did not have no ADD or ADHD. A hundred years building the ark. We can't stay focused for a hundred seconds. A hundred years. And he preached righteousness, the Bible says, for over a hundred years. And guess what? Nobody believed him except his family. And so I thought about all these people. Who could I use as an example? And oh my, and there were so many. And how many of you know that distractions aren't all bad? What do you do when you have two or three good decisions that you have to make? How do you know which one is the distraction? And so I thought, okay, so let's, I only have a certain amount of time. Let's just look at Jesus. I mean, can we agree today that Jesus had a lot of demands on his life? Can we agree? He came with a purpose, right? He had three years to save the world, 33 years on this planet, and he got it all done. So I want to see how he did it. How did he deal with distraction? See, I think that a lot of people have a misguided view when they think about Jesus. I think that he spent so much time in solitary, you know, and he was alone a lot. Not a lot of people were really around him. Actually, it was really different because every time Jesus tried to get away, people were nipping at his heels. And so I believe maybe we can look at how he got it done and we can learn from him because he had a lot of demands on his life. And so let's spend just this next 25, 30 minutes in a typical day of Jesus. And let's kind of compare your day to his day. And let, let's see how, if, how he managed the distractions that he has. Have you found Mark chapter 5, verse 37? Mark chapter 5, verse 37. Now, I'm going to give you a preview. because, And just, just so you know today, we're going into scripture. And I'm going to give you points and all that stuff. I may even throw in a poem if you're good. But listen, so 
we're going to look at, but Jesus is coming back on a boat. Now, the story before we actually hit this sequence of events is Jesus got in a boat. There was a storm. He went to the other side. There was a demon possessed man. He got totally free. Jesus got back on the boat and then he went all the way and now he's arriving on the shore. So that's just the beginning of Jesus's day. And we're going to pick this story up. All right. And I'm actually, what I'm going to do is we're going to go to the end of the day I'm going to read the end of the day, and then we're going to come back. Are you already focused? Are you still focused? All right. Now, does this mean you're focused? Or does this mean you don't understand what I'm saying? Because I'm not understanding, okay? Can I just tell you, your posture means a lot to me. Like, this doesn't mean you're focused. It means you're constipated, at least from my view. So we're going to go to the end of the day, right? And then I'm going to backtrack and we're going to look at the sequence of events. All right, Mark chapter 5, verse 37. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. You know, be careful who you hang around with. You know, there are certain seasons of your life that is going to call for restricted access. Verse 38, when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. How many of you know Jesus has a totally different perspective of your problems than you have? And they're like, she's dead. He's like, no, she's asleep, right? But they laughed at him, and listen to this in verse 40, but they laughed at him, and after that, he put them all out. Pastor Phil, Jesus kicked people out of the room? He sure did. He sure did. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talathakum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. How old was she? All right, you're, you're with me. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Now, before Jesus raised this girl from the dead and gave her a peanut butter and jelly sandwich... He actually had to take some people out of, the, out of the room because he had to deal with distraction. I wonder if sometimes we don't receive the miracle that God has for us because we're not focused and we're distracted. But in order for Jesus, as he's going to raise this little girl from the dead, he wanted to make sure that the right people were there. How many of you know he wanted Peter, James, and John, the mother and the father, and he didn't want doubting Thomas in the room. He wanted... He wanted an atmosphere, so what he had to do was he had to put people out. That was Jesus, loving Jesus. I know we don't talk about this very much, but he put some people out. That's how he dealt with distraction. And I know that all of us in this room today, we, we fight and we, we fight to focus and we deal with distraction. And I know that a lot of us would think, you know, Pastor Phil, if I could just spend three days and go up to the mountains and Big Bear and brew my own coffee and read Hebrews as I brew my own. Some of you get it later when you listen to the podcast. And so 
I could really hear from God or, you know, Phil, if I could just take three days and just be alone and, and grow my own business, it, and that would probably be awesome. But what I love about the scriptures that we just read, this is not about Jesus being in solitude. What we're reading right now is about Jesus dealing with distraction in the middle of people, in the middle of the crowd, crowded people. And so now Jesus is coming to this shore, right? He's coming to the shore off of this trip. He's coming to the shore and he is met. Let's look at the sequence of event in the day in the life of Jesus. He's coming back, right? A demon possessed man got healed and, and he's coming back. And all of a sudden there is a crowd of people. Verse 21 says this, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd, would you say that with me? Would you say a large crowd? A large crowd gathered around him while he was at the lake. Here's distraction number one. Jesus is coming back. I wanna remind you he's in his physical body. He's probably tired looking to get to the shore, a little relaxation, and there is a large crowd of people. Can we just be honest today? We live crowded lives. We live crowded lives. Jesus comes and there's a crowd, but it's important for us to know that Jesus is very comfortable in the crowd. He's very comfortable with people around him. But, you know, I thought about the crowd and I thought about our lives today. And, man, we are so crowded with people. We're crowded with information. We're crowded with advertisement. If I see that commercial about going to the forest one more time, I am never going to the forest again. Our minds are crowded, so our lives are crowded. Our minds are crowded, so our calendars are crowded. And that's even before you write down on the calendar. You got all of these things and we have crowded lives. And a lot of us, I think, we're under this illusion that one day, just one day, we are going to stop everything and spend some time with Jesus, connect with God, and we're going to focus on some things that really matter. But you know, I have some good news for you today because when Jesus comes and there is a crowd of people, Jesus has this amazing way of connecting with individual people right in the middle of the crowd. And if you know anything about this story, he actually takes the boat and he pushes himself back to make sure that there is water between him and all the people. Could have been thousands of people. And I always wondered why he did that. And I realized that water is a reflection of a voice. If I'm talking and there's water, you can actually hear louder. He didn't have a microphone. He didn't have these awesome trusts like we have today and microphones, wireless mics. No, he had water. And so he pushes back and he begins to talk and his voice begins to reflect off of the water. And you know why this is important? This is important because Jesus wanted to connect with every person that was in the crowd. And this is what he will do in our lives and in your life. And even though your lives are crowded, he wants to connect with you right in the middle of the crowded life. He will make sure and wants to make sure that you can hear his voice right in the middle of our crowded life. He wants to connect. He wants to connect with people. You know what I love about it? That Jesus was basically showing us, if you're in the crowd, if you'll just lean in a little bit, you'll hear his voice. You'll, you'll, you'll hear his voice. And Jesus is teaching the crowd. That's his first distraction. But here comes distraction number two. 
this guy by the name of Jairus comes, a ruler in the synagogue. And look at verse 23. It says, Jairus comes to Jesus and he pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. And this is my favorite part, this verse 24. It says, and Jesus went with him. That's, that's pretty amazing. You know, not all distractions are, are bad. Not all distractions are wrong. Jesus is now faced with two opportunities. Do I stay and do I address the needs of the crowd? Because I'm sure that there are many needs in this crowd. And now I have a man who's bowing down and his daughter is dying. Two opportunities. Which one is the distraction? Which one is the distraction? Which one, how does, how does he deal with this? And I think today, if we just look at his life, I'm going to show you today four ways that Jesus himself dealt with distractions. You know, we have decisions that we have to make. But when you start to look at this story and you see the decisions that Jesus had to make, maybe I think this is, today's going to be a game changer in your life. And if you're going to deal with distraction, number one, here's what we have to do is we have to discern the demands. Discern the demands. Would you agree today that Jesus was in high demand? And this is what I love about him. He was a master at discerning the demands. You know, see, Jesus is always in the business of intersecting people at the crossroads of crisis in their life. He, he, he looks at Jairus and Jesus is so focused on the crowd, but yet he's distracted by one dad's desperation. Isn't it interesting to look at what the things that distract Jesus? One dad's desperation. And I love Jairus. I love these people that you're going to see that distracted Jesus because Jairus is desperate to see his daughter have a touch from God. Desperate. And let me ask you a question today as parents. Parents, how desperate are we to see our kids have a touch from God? Do we have to wait till they're dying to say Jesus? Or maybe what if we start now when they're doing good? You know, what's, what's pretty amazing about this, you know, in this stage of our life, if you don't know anything about our church, is that um, we're almost we're about three and a half years in at Passion Life Church. We planted this from scratch, and um, we didn't know anybody. I mean, we didn't know anybody. Our closest uh, family is about 45, 50 minutes away. And I remember sitting at a Starbucks going, I wish I had just had one problem to solve. Because I've been in the church world 20 years, youth pastoring, and there's a lot of drama in the church. See, this is what's scary. One person's honest about the drama. Everybody else is real sneaky. And you're the ones that I'm talking to this morning. You don't want anybody to know about your drama, but we all got it. Come on, somebody. We all got it. And I was thinking, man, if I just had one, I remember having so much drama going, there's a lot of drama. And then I'm sitting here in Marietta going, I don't know anybody. I wish I had some problems to solve. And so we don't really have a lot of people that can watch my son. I have a six-year-old son. He just turned six years old, and I've been married to my wife. Today is seven years. Can you believe that? Seven-year anniversary. 
Woohoo! Nine years knowing her. I told her yesterday, I am so glad that God blinded all of the other boys in high school because Val didn't really get asked out in high school. Uh, at, at, really at all. She had like one boyfriend. And so I said, I thank God that God blinded all of those guys' eyes so I could have you all to myself in Jesus' name. Woo! I'm preaching good. I feel the glory right now. We have our son, he's six years old, and we got invited to this community dinner, and I said, okay, you're coming along with me, you know, and he's the only kid there, and there's probably 250 people, and I said, son, we're going to go up, and we're going to receive this award, and he's seeing all the videos, all the videos of, of the kids and, and Head Start and how, what they're becoming, and what a great program Head Start is doing for, for our community, and he's watching, and, and he went up there, and he received the award, and what was funny is that they didn't tell me they were going to give us an award. They didn't tell me to invite our team, or I would have invited all of y'all. Come on, it was a free meal. You clapped for free burgers. You should have tasted the meal there. I would have invited all of y'all. But they didn't tell us that, so she announces, hey, okay, Pastor Phil and his team are here, and so here I am, and here's Gavin. There's my team. He's six years old. He's, he's walking up, and people are like, aww, right? And he grabs the gift, and we sat down, and, and he said, Dad, what is this for? And I said, because my son tithes. See, we took all his birthday money that he just got, and we told him, and we said, look, we're going to give 10% to God. And I told him, I said, see, this, this, this is for helping all those kids. Remember that when, when they came and they, they, they got all those backpacks, this is what your tithes are doing, Gavin. And he's like, wow, Dad, that, that, that's awesome. See, we, having godly kids don't just happen, my, my church family. You are the leader and you are the parent, and it is up to you to make sure that your children get face-to-face -face with Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you, make it a point to bring them to church. Come on, somebody. My son, I'm, I'm just so excited. I, I, this, this last year, they asked all of the, the school, hey, does anybody want to pray? And my son just put up his hand like this. And right in front of the whole school, he's praying. You know how that happens? Because he's here every Sunday. He's learning how to pray. I, I'm telling you, we do our best, but it helps. And Jairus, what I love about him is that he's so desperate about what seeing his, 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 his daughter being touched by God. You know what? Jairus had responsibilities. Jairus was a busy parent. Jairus was a leader, an overseer in the synagogue. But you know what? It was urgent that Jairus be at the synagogue to fulfill a job, but it was more important that he encounter Christ in the middle of this crisis. And my church family, sometimes we're so busy focusing on what's urgent that we miss what's really important. What's really important. And you know what? It was urgent that Jesus speak to the crowd, but it was more important that he respond to a man's plea to save his daughter. You know, Jairus had responsibilities. Jairus, he thought, my daughter is more important right now than any responsibility. Somebody else can take those responsibilities. And you need to know that there's seasons in your life that you're going to have to put away what's urgent and really focus on what is more important. But I'm telling you what, going through desperation will really define what's driving you. I'm going to be honest. I want my son to have a great education. I really do. But apart from all that, I want him to know God. 
Because no matter what education, no matter what school he goes through, it's God that's going to get him through in the end. The Bible says if we will train them up, they will not depart. My church family, I know we can't meet every demand at once. We, We can't do that. But you know what? Let's ask God to help us discern the demands in our life discern the demands in our life, which demands deserve our attention and which demands are distractions in this season of our life. My family to me is most important. God first and my family. Notice what I did not say. I did not say my family first, then God. Some people, their family is their idol. It's God first, then our family. We come together, and Gavin loves coming to church at this point. He really does, but I'm telling you what, he understands this is family day when we come together. It's about the house of God, and I pray that you allow God to discern the demands. Are you glad you came today? And if Jesus, I believe, can help us discern the demands, then I think, number two, he can help us locate the leaks. Locate the leaks. You know, There's so much research about our brain, about our mind, and uh, just looking at all of this information, they've done some studies about how efficient we really are in our minds. Some of us are very good multitaskers, but we have found, and they have found through studies, that we're not as efficient as we think we are. And one article said, when we are just going from category to category and category, that it's like our brain is leaking. Even you ladies, we know how amazing you are when it comes to multitasking, right? Us guys, we think at one thing, we think categories, football, football, right? I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Somebody said chargers. Don't mess with the anointing this morning. They will lose all their games when you do that. They'll be like the Raiders. Come on, somebody. I'm kidding. We have some Raiders fans this morning. But it's important that we locate the leaks. You know, what's interesting, and I want you to hear this this morning. I was reading another article, and they said every time you are distracted, it takes you about 20 minutes to regain focus, to get that mojo back, to get back on a roll. But just think about it. If you're distracted four times a day at work, how much time it takes to get you back. Now, if I'm a business owner, that statistic really made me mad because that means it's taking people four hours just to get focused. But why do I say that? Because it's important that we remember that when Jesus was on the earth, he could only do one thing well at a time. He could only do one thing. He could only be at one place. Even Jesus had to harness the power of focus to leave the house, to leave the crowd, and to go to Jairus' house. But you know what? Jesus is headed now to an emergency. Would you say a girl dying is an emergency? I mean, 12 years old, she's dying. And so the Bible tells us that he, and this large crowd of people, he's on the move, right? The disciples, his entourage is like, he's coming. The eagle is here. He's going. He's moving. He's flowing right and Jesus is walking and then all of these people and then Jesus hits distraction number three this is all in one day ladies and gentlemen in verse 27 verse 24 it says when Jesus went with him a large crowd followed him and pressed 
around him, and there was a woman there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all. Would you say that with me, spent all? Have you ever been there where you've spent? We just say it like this, man, I've spent. Where you have spent all. She spent all that she had, and yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. I, I could see spending all and getting better, but spending all and getting worse? You know, when I had read the description of this woman, it reminded me kind of of, of today's society. We have more today, yet we feel worse. We, we feel worse. We are more crowded today, but we're less connected. We have more social media, and yet we're less social. We're spending all, and then we get nothing. We spend all, and guess what? We are still empty. We have more sources, more doctors, more this. And guess what? With all those sources, we're still less satisfied. Yet with all these things, our lives are leaking. Leaking life, leaking life. Have you located the leaks in your life? This message for me this last year has been really important. I want to give my life to what matters most. I really do. I really believe. See, when you really believe you have a destiny, when you really believe you have a purpose, you're going to focus your life. And she is bleeding for 12 years. And then she has spent all and she sees Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, J-E-S-U-S, he's my Lord and King, J-E-S-U-S, he's my everything. You all don't know no Leon Patillo. He was like the first Christian MC Hammer. He, she sees Jesus, but here's the problem. Jesus is not moving towards her. Jesus is moving away. He is headed towards an emergency. And people are like, he's moving. And here is this woman. And I think about this woman and all the distractions that she had. She had probably had people telling her, look, get off of your hands and knees. Because she had to be down on her hands and knees because of what she was about to do. People were telling her, hey, can't you see? Jesus is going with Jairus. Jairus is the ruler of the temple. He doesn't have time for you. Jairus is a person of influence. You're bankrupt. Who do you think you are? You know, in this passage of scripture, the Bible doesn't even give her a name. Her name is not even there. And Jesus is moving and he's on an emergency call and she gets focused on Jesus in the middle of the crowd and she begins to tell herself this, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. I always wondered where she got that from. But you know what? In the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, Malachi chapter four, verse two says this, that when Jesus comes, he will have healing in his wings. Not that when Jesus comes, he will have wings, but the word wings wings there in the Hebrew is that in his tassels will be healing. And she understood that if I could just touch the tassel, I will be made whole. And can I, for just a moment, give you a review in our Think series? This is what we said. It's not the thoughts that come and go that matter. It's the thoughts that 
stay. And when she began to say, if I just can touch the hem of his garment, and on her hands and knees broke through the crowd, she touched the hem of his garment. And the Bible says immediately the presence of Christ located the linking in her body and she stopped immediately. But my church family, she focused on Christ. See, what freed her, what freed her was her focus. See, a faith, faith has a focus. Jesus said, the Bible says that he, God is the author. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. She had a faith focus. Now, I want you to hear this because this is years of counseling that I want to help you with. She could have been focused on the last 12 years of her life. She could have been focused how nobody liked her. She could have been focused on her condition. She could have been focused on how she didn't have a good childhood. She could, could I keep going and going and going? But something happens when you change your focus and stop focusing on the past and focus on Jesus who is here. There was a freedom that came into her life and she was totally made whole. My church family, whatever area in your life that is leaking, Jesus can plug the leak. See, the problem with her is that she could not hold in anything that would make her whole, but the presence of God made her whole. Verse 29, immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Can I just... Say what Jesus did is that he stopped an emergency because somebody touched him. Jesus stopped because he noticed somebody had touched him. He noticed that power went out of him. You know, if we're honest, you and I can tell when demands are draining our lives. We can tell. We can tell. And see, in my life, I don't want to be good at all these things and never master nothing. I want to be a focus. Look at verse 30. At once, Jesus realized that the power had gone out of him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? And the disciples are like, really? Seriously? You see people crowding against you? His disciples, isn't the question not who touched you? Wouldn't the question be, who didn't touch you? I mean, there's so many people. Verse 33, then the woman knowing what she had what had happened to her, she came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Listen, go in peace. I, Jesus is saying this. I don't want to just heal your body. I want to heal your mind too. Go in peace from your suffering. And Jesus stops a procession that could save a girl's life to try to locate who touched me? That's probably not a wise move. I mean, especially when you read verse 35, while Jesus is still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus and the synagogue leader, your daughter is dead. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? So here, 
Today, as I'm sharing the story, we're cheering. Thank you, Jesus. She's healed. That's so good. But it wasn't good for Jairus. Because as somebody else was getting their healing, the young girl had died. Isn't that kind of just like real life today? While we're trying to get one thing to live, it's at the expense of something else. Come on, talk to me this morning. Right? I I need my family. I need, I I, want to provide for my family, but I got all these long work hours. And you got this, you tell you, your boo, boo, listen, I love you. I want to spend time with you, but I got so many hours to work. I'll be back, right? And one thing is at the expense of another. What do you do? Come back next week and I'm going to tell you. No, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that to you. Here's what you do. Number three, you pursue the pool. Pursue the pool. Not the P-O-O-L, because it's summer. The P-U-L. You pursue the pool. Listen, here, uh, this may help some of us. The crowd is pushing Jesus, pushing him, pushing him. Everybody's pushing, but yet the woman is pulling. The crowd is pushing And I'm going to tell you, life is always pushing you in so many different directions. People want you to be this. People want you to do that. And in the middle of the crowd, someone pulled on Jesus's power. And Jesus, you know what? Honestly, he could have seen this as a distraction, but instead he saw this as a divine opportunity. I want you to listen to this, please. Please listen, please get this. Some of the things that you have been perceiving as distractions are actually pulling you to your purpose. They're actually, is this too deep? Because some of you look confused. Is this too deep? We have, we'll give you some Advil on the way out. I know it's a little deep this morning. But this is real life. And some of you in this room, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you because you have demands on your life. We all have demands. But some of you in this room, you have to make decisions. And you know what? In the crowded people, in the crowded life with all the demands, you know what? Here's what God will do in your life. He'll put a pull on you. Have you ever felt the pull of the Holy Spirit? See, this is the essence of the Spirit-filled life. That you will be at Albertson's. Albertson's. I didn't get any amens. Let's try this. You will be at Winco. See, got a lot of amens. We don't shop in Albertson's. Okay, that's fine. Thanks for letting me know. I will use Winco in every illustration from here to eternity. There's going to be Winco in heaven. Because it's divine. Right? You're at Winco and you're minding your own business and God will put a pull on you to do something. It's out of the ordinary that you were not planning. Sometimes you're at home and this is what I've learned. Sometimes I will see one of your faces in front of me. I know it's weird because I'm doing the dishes and, I, and you know what I know? That's God putting a pull on me to pray for you. 
And in the moment, sometimes it's a text. God's putting a pull on you to text somebody. You don't understand why. And listen, you don't have to be profound. Sometimes I just text people, hey, we were thinking about you, just thinking about you today. And you will be amazed if you will follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life, what he will do. But there is a pull. I remember doing youth ministry for 15, almost 20 years, 11 years, a thriving youth ministry, 700 kids coming weekly, four services a week, speaking five times a week on three different subjects and all of these different things happening. And then I felt another pool. And here is the crowd of kids. And my first question is, God, who's gonna take care of those kids? And you know what God said? He said, I'm gonna take care of them. And there was a pool to come to paradise, sunny Marietta, California. Who has ever heard of this place? <laughs> but I say that and we laugh, but I'm telling you that when you will be obedient to the pool, God will take you places that you have never been and you will enjoy it. And God has a purpose when you will pursue the pool. I want you to listen to this statement. Please write it down. It was the pool that separated the woman from the crowd. While everybody's pushing Jesus, listen, she was pulling. And can I just say, Jesus refuses to be pushed into doing anything. Jesus would not be pushed into the coronation before the crucifixion. Jesus would not be pushed. Jesus would not be pushed into being a king before he suffered as a criminal. I want you to hear this. Jesus was talking about going to the cross, but Peter said, don't go to the cross. And he said, this was Jesus's homies. This was his friends. And they were telling him, I don't want you to pursue your purpose. And Jesus rebukes him. See, sometimes our distractions can even be our closest friend. But Jesus could not be pushed, but he couldn't resist a pull. You need to think about this. A crowd, Jairus, it shows you that Jesus always will go to the one. He loves the crowd, wants to connect with you in the crowd. But he left the crowd to pursue a man who was desperate for his daughter and he left that situation because somebody pulled on him. And so in the middle of life's demands, be sensitive to the pull because some decisions look good, but God has a pull on you to do something else. And I'm gonna tell you from honest mistakes, I have missed the pull sometimes and it was bad. And I didn't know what God was doing and I know from now on, when I feel that pool, go there because that's where God is. Come on, let's give him a good round of applause this morning. He's so good. And here's where we end this morning. Because here's the question. So what about Jairus's little girl? She had died. And see, I think what enabled Jesus to go through his life with focus is what I believe can enable us today. Jesus had full confidence in God's plan over his own priorities. I know this is a simple statement. Some of you are going to write it off, but it's so true. God's plan is better than your plan. As amazing as your plan looks, as amazing God's plan, I'm just telling you,
It's more fulfilling. I don't care how much money they offer you. You cannot buy fulfillment. You can't. People thought I was crazy to leave the church that I was at to come to Marietta and not know anybody. But ladies and gentlemen, when you, per, when you pursue the pool, when you get in the pool, I knew that I could trust God's plan. Jesus hears people talking about Jairus's daughter. And here's where we started, verse 36. We just made a full circle and here's where we end because this is where we started in verse 36. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, don't be afraid, just believe. Would you say that with me? Just believe. And then verse 37, he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw the commotion with people crying and wailing. You know what? They had hired in this custom, in the Jewish custom, it was custom to hire professional mourners. And so there were professional mourners. And I'll, I'll, I'm going to prove to you that they were hired guns here in a minute because they were coming and they were crying and that was the Jewish custom. But listen, Jesus cuts through the commotion. This is what he will do in your life, my church family. He will cut through the commotion just for you. And he went in verse 39 and he said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? This child is not dead, but asleep. Verse 40, and they laughed. See, that's how I knew they were professionals. Because when you're grieving, you don't go, ha, ha, ha. You don't do that unless you're really good. Hired actors. And here's what our loving Savior did. He put them all out. And here's my final point. And I saved the best for last. Number four, if you're going to deal with distractions, you have to dismiss the drama. I almost said save the drama for your mama, but your mama doesn't want your drama. I know because I tried to give my drama to my mama. She don't want my drama because she's my mama. And she knows the drama that I have because she's my mama. Some of you will get it. And here's where we, we close today, my church family. I think that there's some voices in your life that you're listening to that are no longer helpful to you. And you have to put them out. Why, 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 why? Because until you deal with the distraction, God's not going to open up that door to destiny for you because you are so focused on drama. I'm telling you, I had so much drama in my life and I figured out why. It was because I had friends that had drama. And when I put out my friends in a nice way, just started to, guess what happened? The drama got dismissed. And I was so involved in drama because I had a good friend. And I liked it, but I didn't realize every time we got together, we were talking about other people. Every time we got together, every time it was drama, drama. And when I dismissed this friend, I'm just telling you, peace came into my life. And I wasted a year of my life dealing with drama. And it's time that I'm hoping that and believing that God will restore. But I'm telling you, some of you need to dismiss the drama in your life because your destiny is at stake and you have to deal with the distraction in Jesus' name. Come on, would you stand? And let's give the Lord a good round of applause this morning. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com 